What's up, everybody? This is Clark Schmidt here, pitcher for the New York Yankees, and you are listening to the boys of 161st Street, the greatest Yankee podcast in the world. Thank you guys for tuning in. Welcome back to the boys of 161st Street. Anthony Volpe made the roster. He is your starting shortstop for the season. Claps for him. Ring is officially almost over. They have one more exhibition game left, so we're going to be previewing the the whole season here and uh, doing a little bit of uh, bullpen trust tree, lineup predictions, uh, betting odds, World Series odds, AL East odds, all that kind of stuff, as well as just predicting the roster. Uh, Exciting times. I'm glad we made it, but how are we doing, boys? Fantastic. Opening days. Yesterday here. was the best day I've had as a Yankees fan in quite some time. Just because of yeah, the Yeah, I was very excited. Oh, yeah. I mean, what else? Have we, I mean, Judge is MVP, shit like that. Like, yeah, that was really cool. But I, I guess that's a good question. Before, Murphy, tell us how amazing your day was. Where do you think that Volpe making it, since we haven't had any World Series to celebrate, like, that's pretty big news. That's up there with like judges MVP, judges record breaking sixty two. Like I would put those two, maybe the run in like twenty seventeen, and judges rookie campaign. Like I would say it's a top five moment of the last like seven eight years. It's definitely, it's definitely the most excited I've been for opening day in a long time. I'll, I'll oh, say that. Yeah. I think had I they not pulled him up, could you imagine the vibes we would be having in this room right now? If they, I mean, it was clearly the right decision to bring him up. That was obvious. I mean, the, the spring stats alone, like even if he didn't have such an amazing spring, I still think they should have probably brought him up because of just the situation we're in. I mean, IKF is not the guy at shortstop. That's obvious. They're even trying to move him to outfield. So, I mean, I, I think I agree. I think, I mean, he's the highest, highly highest touted prospect since Jeter, I think, on the Yankees, and I think that's we were talking about before. It's, there's he had the opportunity to come up, he had the space with injuries and just shitty people on the team. I think it makes all the sense in the world. I mean, people are just waiting for what number he's going to pick, and then they're going to buy his jersey. And we're going to be seeing a lot of maybe not the first day, but we're going to be seeing a lot of Volpe jerseys in the stands this season. And I'm very excited about it. Well, so, I mean, you think about the offseason and those seven minutes where John Heyman said that, uh, you know, Judge was going to San Francisco and then you fast forward to now. I mean, like, I was very not feeling great about this next year. So you look at that point compared to now and just bring up Volpe, re-signing Judge. You know, you bring in Rendon. I know he's hurt, but, you know, Rendon. But, uh, you know, it's just like night and day. No, but it's night and day. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, he's like the first player since Hideki Matsui to start on opening day for his first game or something something like that. And, like, all the connections with him and Jeter. Like, I mean, the stars really aligned, and he needed to have the spring that he did to get up. And now, you know, he forced their hand. They didn't have a you choice. You literally had the perfect spring. And he, yeah. he yeah. needed to because they weren't going to force him up on the roster, I don't think, because he didn't play enough in AAA. And so he really had to show out in the spring, and he did. And, it, you know, forced their hand. 
and it's unfortunate I, that like Peraza. I mean, Peraza, I, I'm also a little, just as sad for Peraza. I'm I'm more excited that Volpe's up, but Peraza, you know, it, they said at the beginning of this that it was a competition, and Volpe clearly won it. Um, he ran away with it because Peraza did not have a good spring. Um, I don't know if you guys want to start there where this means for Peraza. I know he was moved to Double A, right? It was a Triple A. Triple A. Triple A. Double A. Yeah. No, no well, I, 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 I want to say I, one I, thing I before we wrap this up. One thing before we wrap this up is, uh, and maybe I'm overstating it or being devil's advocate or whatever, I would say Volpe being here is like the one thing that turned this from like a pretty not great off season into like, like it, the, the feeling around the Bronx would have been night and day different. Like it's not one player here because you look at all the injuries and I will break everything down as we go on, but look at all the injuries Take a look at the lineup. If you don't bring up Volpe, you're basically playing the same team as last year. And the rotation is decimated with injuries. Like, I, I would argue that without Volpe, this is a worse, uh, maybe not a worse team, but going into, oh, yeah, what are, you, what are you excited for going into opening day? Like, and again, we'll talk about it as we go on. You have Johnny Brito as your fifth starter which is fine like he's got good numbers and stuff but this isn't the world series rotation that was promised take out volpe you got peraza which is still exciting but he had a really bad spring or ikf at short and you still have hicks they didn't address left field they didn't address make any lineup additions at all via trade or free agency other than like willie calhoun and stuff like that it's very easy to be down on it but somehow and this is the kind of life that they need Anthony Volpe brings just a whole new dynamic to this team, and it takes it from a very bled lineup to something that everybody's like, "Fucking, let's go, let's let's go have a season." It makes it masks everything else. I wouldn't say I'm I'm that down, I, even with all of the, like the injuries and stuff like that. All the injuries, I guess we can do a little roundtable right here of like the updates. I mean, most of them, if not all of them, are, are going to be out for at, at the most a month. I mean, Sevi is probably the latest of all of that, missing around three or four starts. But Rodon threw a full BP sesh. He's going to be back soon. I mean, yeah, currently the rotation looks like Cole, Schmidt, Brito, Herman. But, I mean, Brito looks pretty good. I can, I'm not upset about him to be a plug guy for the first month of the season. Schmidt has been dominating all spring. Not upset about that at all. And then you still have Cole, Nestor, Herman was fighting for that fifth starter spot schmidt was probably going to win it and probably would have won it given like all else equal with no other injuries so really the only guy you're worried about is herman a little bit and that's for two to three starts and the bullpen's good and we'll get into the trust tree in a second but all of that like you say the world series ro- rotation that you were promised like it's really not a lot of time that we have to deal with it it's a few starts and i think we have more than capable guys in clark schmidt and what we've seen of brito so far so I'm not really upset about it. I, I do want to over, like, I mean, the Volpe news, I think you're right. If on the offensive side of the coin, I would be very disappointed. And if you look at the lineup one through nine without Volpe in it, albeit I know he's probably going to be batting nine. And we'll get into that also where you think he should be batting. But I mean, just adding him to this lineup and just honestly, just the vibe around, not just Yankee land, everybody wanted Volpe to be up, but the vibe around the locker room, probably he's going to be a jolt of energy in that locker room. And it's, it's something amazing and it's 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 different because he's not the only young guy there it's him Cabrera I mean there's a couple other young guys Glaber's still young people forget that but like he's got some great and we talked about this before great great veterans around him just like the Rizzo's of the world the judges of the world like it's just gonna be 
amazing. Like he's just going to be the focal point. It's not the full baby bombers. It's just two baby bombers and a lot of grizzly vets that are really good. And I think that's going to be amazing because Volpe doesn't have to be the guy. If Volpe came up on a team like the Orioles or something like that, like Adley Rushman on the Orioles, he has to be the guy and some Gunnar Henderson, those kind of guys. Volpe doesn't have to be the guy. He just, he's going to be exactly, honestly, what, what's his fucking name was on the Astros. Like he he didn't have to be the guy, but he ended up being the guy. Yeah. Pena. Exactly. I think he's going to be a very Jeremy Pena like guy. That's a, that's high hopes because he was the world series MVP, but I don't think that's, Outside this of the realm of possibility. Great, I know. That's like, what I Jeremy mean. So I think, season yeah. was very meh. I, I don't know. Yeah. And this is kind and of one more thing. There's a reason about. why, there's a reason why he, and I had this stat before I meant to say it, like he's the youngest Yankee in the opening day lineup since 1953. Other than the four guys ahead of him are Mickey Mantle, John Ellis, Willie Randolph and Derek Jeter. And they actually talked to Willie Randolph today at the game. It was, it was pretty cool to hear. They brought that set up to him and they, he was just speaking amazing, amazing, like just like give, giving all of the praises to Anthony Volpe. And he's like, he, he relates very much to him because he was exactly that. It came up at 21 years and 277 days and Volpe is 21 years and 336 days. He's about to be 22. It's just, it's really cool. It's good company to be in. And I know they're making comparisons back to Jeter. They really shouldn't, but it's hard not to when he's a young shortstop being called up and starting on opening day. It's just... It's pretty cool. And Jeter also batted ninth, mind you. So I would argue that he does have to be the guy. Like, he doesn't need to come out and be Derek Jeter his first year. But think again, we, and we've talked about this for two years now, that think of who you passed on to have Anthony Volpe be the guy on this team. There's a shitload of pressure on him to be this guy. And whether he whether it's meant to be or not, he's already that guy. Damon was talking about it before we got on here. Aaron Judge coming off of the home run record in the American League, American League MVP. He is named captain. He signed a monster free, not, well, yeah, I guess a monster free agent deal. And who got all the headlines this spring? Anthony Volpe, who objectively had a worse spring than Judge. Judge tore the fucking cover off the ball. He played gold glove defense in left, center, and right field. Like, that should be a huge story. Judge made the transition to left field look like it was fucking t-ball but that's not the story the story is anthony volpe whether he wants yeah. it or not the spotlight's on him it doesn't matter what he does like whether he goes 0 for 20 or 20 for 20 it's gonna be on him day and night and he's either i mean it's sink or swim and they're banking on him to swim and so is everybody else that's why we're all excited but the pressure is there he does have to be that guy make no mistake Absolutely. yeah but i wouldn't he does yeah but i wouldn't say but like I agree with that, but also to Rella's point, like, I don't think he needs, it's not like he needs to be that guy right off the bat. Like, no one's, I don't think we're expecting him to no, be give the savior of the season. In the first, yeah, so it's like, I think, yes, you're right. In the long term, two, three years, whatever that may be, yes, there's a lot of pressure on him to be that guy because we have given up a lot of opportunity to get other people and have passed a lot of people to fill that shortstop role. So, yes, there's pressure on him, but I don't think there's immediate pressure. I think there's a lot of uh, understanding that there's a lot of pressure on him, and you know it's gonna take some time to actually come up and, and fill his shoes and get comfortable in his position. Do you I mean, think? That, I know this is this is a weird question to ask. And I'll let you go, Murph. But like, do you think? Not a weird question. It's a relevant question. I mean, they obviously aren't bringing him up with the 
short leash because it's a big deal bringing up a top prospect like that. But do you think there is a leash or if he continues to be like really bad to start the year for like a month or two, do you think there's ever a chance that he'll, when, when do you think he'll be called down to the minors is my question. I think it's going to take a lot. I don't think you can. What's it going to take is what I'm saying. If he's batting, I'll call it. If he's batting like 150. Yeah. Yeah. If he's doing what Jared Kalanick did, how long do you think the leash is? June. All-star break. But like if they send him down, it's not going to be send him down the way you demote other people to AAA. It's going to be go get your timing right and come back kind of thing. Like it's not like Peraza is going to take his spot. Like they would not have called him up for a short leash. I agree. That's, that was the point I was making. This spot was his to take. We all knew that. And all this spring proved was that the time is now. It's not later yeah. on this year. Yeah. It's not the year after. And so on the, the flip, it's like a, it's like a, you, you know, yeah, the pressure's on for all of the reasons that Chandler stated, but also I think the expectation needs to be there a little bit. I mean, you look around the league and the Julio Rodriguez of the world, the Michael Harris's of the world, Jeremy Payne's of the world, a lot of guys come up and are not that they, he has to be that good right away, but they're really, really contributors. And like Bobby Witt, same draft class. It's not, you know, now more than ever, it's like that. And not to mention that if he's top three in AL MVP voting, they get a first round pick out of it because they didn't manipulate the service time. What I say? Rookie, you, you said MVP. MVP. I would love the MVP. Do you think expecting a rookie... MVP. Do you think expecting what? a rookie of the year is too much? Like, do you think that's putting too much? I mean, that, I, I feel like that's I fully old. expect, I fully expect him to finish top three. Like, if he yeah, doesn't, I mean, that's a disappointment. That's a disappointment. So that yes, if, that's. I think if he doesn't finish top three, that's a disappointment. But if he doesn't win it, that's not a disappointment in my opinion. No, because there's, there's, another guy. there's somebody, amazing you know, talent come out of nowhere. You have Gunnar Henderson coming up. You have, you know, so a lot of other like really marquee guys. That are going to be Casas you know, or whatever from the Red Sox. Yeah. Uh, like, yeah. so like I, I fully, I'm not saying he should win the. Yeah, I'm not saying he should win the Rookie of the Year, and if he doesn't, it's bust. But if he doesn't finish top three, especially because look at Rookie of the Year voting historically, like how often do you just have a loaded class where there's not a clear cut one or two or like two guys battling it out? If he doesn't finish top three, that to me that means, and barring anything crazy, that he's a below average hitter. He's a man fielder, and that's not that's not who you pass on to historic shortstop classes for. And I'm yeah, not I, trying to be a dick. I really, really love Anthony Volpe. I love what he showed this spring. I think he's going to be amazing. But I'm just saying that the expectation is so high of him, and like I, I'm fully bought into that expectation as well. He has got to produce. I, and he, I but if too. anybody can think... handle that, it really does seem like it's going to be him because he came into a really tough situation this spring where it's – balls in your court like you really have to show out and he did and he's not that he's had this much pressure all the time but he's he seems like he can handle that kind of thing very well he has respected by veterans not only yankee clubhouse but also i mean i know aaron nola spoke to it like you know people around the league are recognizing that you know he's the real deal on and off the field so if he's going to manage these expectations you know it takes a certain type of guy to do that and i feel like not to say that he necessarily will, but he has the ability to handle that. You know, well I think that's the, the most impressive thing this entire spring. Obviously, the numbers are sick too, but I think his ability, like, he, like you said, he came in with the competition, and it wasn't his job at all. It, it actually was more probably Peraza's job than his job to start the spring training, 
And well, Jack Curry came, said that that it was Peraza's to lose, and he lost it. And I mean, obviously Peraza had a really tough spring, but I think it honestly, like you said, Peraza's job to lose. It was going to take more from Volpe. He was fighting an uphill battle, and he he took he took it. He just he took it and ran with it. And you're going to need just that guy. I mean, he's going to ha- have faced a lot of adversity throughout this entire season, especially right away. Uh, playing shortstop for the Yankees is just going to be it's going to be tough. I mean, you talk about people booing judge even after this big contract and after 62 home runs like it's not an easy place to play and i just i think it's that's something that i was really impressed with i mean we, and one more thing on the rookie of the year i mean the rookie of the year to me isn't really isn't really relevant but when you look at other classes of people if miguel andujar can come in second but in a in a year that has shohei otani in it, in it i'm pretty confident that anthony volpe a higher touted prospect in a uh, class of rookies that does not have a Shohei Otani in it can be top three. I think that's fair to assume. But terrible, it really matter terrible comparison. Terrible comparison. <laughs> Why is that a terrible comparison? Because Andahar was fucking robbed. He broke the doubles record from Mickey I'm Mantle. just saying, I'm not saying he, should or he Luke have Garrett. won or not. We've talked about that before. I'm just saying he was in a class with one of the best players to ever play baseball, and he came in second. So yeah, I'm just saying. Riled up. Tell me about Miguel Andahar. Whatever. Uh, what number do you think Mr. Volpe is going to wear? He talked if it's about not 77, 77. I'm going to be so sad. My my real question was, are you okay with? Do you like that? Because Clint wore it. It was pretty I fucking weird. That. Who? I don't he like bad it. Juju. Clint Frazier. Oh yeah, excuse me. What's his uh, real name? Jackson. Jackson. Jackson Frazier Dude, wore some 77. I want to see him wear make 77 like a judge type number where like kids are wearing 99 if they can, like that kind of thing. I'd like, I don't I think 77 feels the same though. Numbers. It does. Especially and not it for a shortstop. It it's either going to be 77 or 14. Because it's the Mickey Damon's Mantle right, thing. Though. His dad wore, like, what? 77 on an infielder shortstop looks really weird. And I a smaller guy, too. I think I think Judge Judge's works because, one, he's an outfielder, but mainly because he's enormous. Like, Volpe I doesn't really, really fit it well. And I have a sour taste in my mouth because Jackson Frazier. I mean, I know the reasoning. It's because... You know, seven, you can't get seven, so I'll take 77. I don't know if I really love that. I think, you know, like, I, like I if you want to go double digits, I think you can go 22. I think that's just a good-looking number, and there's not any good 22s that I remember. Fucking Ellsbury, he could bring some some justice to that number. I, I and if really, he, he's, I, he's a, Jeter's his favorite, so. And B, I, like, I, I would buy a 77 jersey for Volpe. If it's like fourteen, maybe. Both of those numbers. The seventy-seven, I think, would be really, really cool. I also just still love the goofy numbers. Like I love that Peraza wears ninety-one. Like somehow he pulls it off. Though I don't know why. <laughs> ninety-one. Yeah. Yeah, ninety-one feels. I don't know. Yeah, I, I like don't know the why. high number. I don't know. I mean, the I'm, problem uh, with the Yankees is there's not a lot of low numbers available, so I I, I get well, it. Yeah, but so, just, so start jacking up the high ones. Could take Brett Gardner's old number. Well, I'm, I think it would have uh, been cool to give him 13. For... <laughs> give him A-Rod's number? <laughs> well, it's not retired. I know it's not retired, but well, it's, I feel so like it's like, unwritten. To be fair, this isn't my I saw I saw somebody That's mention true. this on Twitter, I don't remember who it was, so sorry if you listen. I just ripped you off, but what? somebody said it'd be cool if they had like a big ceremonial, like passing of the torch of A Rod to Volpe, like of the thirteen, and just basically forget that Joey Gallo existed. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, it's like, that would be actually be cool. That would be funny. I don't know. I, yeah. I, 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 just I think it'd be cool. 
I think it would be cool too. It's either going to be 77 or 14. 14 though, he looks enough like Tyler Wade where that might throw me off. Yeah. Like that I, might I be forget, a bad thing. I don't know where I saw it, but somebody he asked somebody if he apparently he's been told he looks like Tyler Wade before and I didn't really see it until I heard that. But if he's wearing 14 like Anywho, um, who, so they, who, they, who do you think, who do you think is the, the bigger roll call response, Judge or Volpe? Volpe, they're yeah, gonna go Volpe. fucking nuts for Volpe. Yeah, that's not I wonder, do you think he's gonna do anything fun? Like Oswaldo came out with the fucking grenade toss in game one. Yeah, that's cool. Do you think Volpe's he's probably been thinking cool? about his entire life. He's, he's yeah, probably not, in the I, think, I think he's gonna do all this. He's gonna do a little wave, I think. <laughs> Figuring out what definitely not. If he came out of the whole like routine, that'd be so funny. But I, I think that's too much. I don't think he no, does. Do like what Cabrera did. A backflip. A backflip would be. <laughs> yeah, and then he gets hurt. Like all the people that are fucking <laughs> that are like Edwin Diaz celebrating and then getting hurt. Imagine Volpe opening day. This whole big hullabaloo about his call up and starting it shorts up on the opening day. Then he gets hurt on the roll call. That'd be tough. So. We were talking before about him being the ninth hitter in the lineup, at least to start. Um, I've mentioned it all the time that, you know, the double leadoff is something that I, I mean, it's not something I live or die by, but when you have a guy that has the player type that Volpe does, who's very fast and he's a damn good base, there's still fucking 50 bags in, in the minors, albeit they were larger bags, but you stole him. He's very well versed in the big bags this season, so that plays to his advantage, but I want DJ leading off, but do you think at all there's a, there's an opportunity uh, for Volpe to take that over? Cause I know Jack Curry during the game today was talking about how he likes Volpe as being the leadoff guy. He sees him as like the archetype, but he's, I mean, no one else on the team really, I mean, even DJ, DJ sets the table and he's really good, but we've talked about him time and time again, being really good with runners in scoring position. And you might want him in a spot where Glaber is right now at five. Like, you know what I mean? Like he might be a better guy with runners on and then have Volpe, the stereotypical, you know, smaller, quicker guy who can get on base. He is a very good eye. He take he swings at the pitches. He's supposed to swing at at least previously in the minors. And, and he lays off the pitches. He's supposed to lay off. I think that speed, I mean, just seeing today in the game, like what he could do, on the base pass. I know he did it every single game in, in spring training, but like the way he just messes with the pitcher and the timing, like he got on base, he didn't steal second base. There was a balk, but he got on second. And he started dancing around and all the pitcher could worry about was him. And that bled into Stanton's at bat that bled into everybody else's at bats afterwards. And I think that's the stereotypical leadoff hitter. So I think there's a chance and I honestly would prefer it. I would prefer if I could make the lineup, you know, after the all-star break, that's what I'll call it. I would put Volpe in the leadoff spot, assuming he is hitting at a like a regular average. He doesn't have to be tearing the cover off the ball for me to go up there because I think DJ doesn't really have that stereotypical speed, and I think he hits amazing with runners in scoring position, so it makes sense to me. Devil's advocate here is if you bat Anthony Volpe leadoff, you have to figure or just factor in the amount of bases that he steals. If he gets on, steals second, you have Judge in the two-hole. Why do you have to pitch to judge anymore? You don't. So, so that's one thing. That's I a problem with him hitting nine too, though. That's the thing. So like, that. yes. Yeah, but I, if he hits nine, I, I. But then you have that, and you turn it over, and it's mainly the first inning that you're concerned about here. I mean, we've talked about this at length on here. Is that the lineup is only the lineup one time through? 
And I mean, at that point, he may be leading off an inning. He may be the last out of the inning. He may, whatever. Like, leading off the game is the really only true test, I guess, of where that theory is going to work. But I mean, unless you want to bat him like seventh, but that just doesn't make sense to me. So, uh, uh, I'm I'm honestly I'm fine with him batting leadoff. I'm not saying that you're in the wrong here. I just wanted to play devil's advocate, put that out there because that's another thing that they're they were probably talking about thinking. That too, of. I think the idea yeah. is that you know down the road once he's Anthony Volpe and not a pros not like a prospect working his way, like when he develops, I think the plan is for him to be a leadoff hitter. Like you know, and it should be, it should be way he hit. Like he he hits like a leadoff hitter should hit, and. I think that's the plan. I think it makes sense that he's batting nine to start. I think he'll change out of that nine hole, move his way up a little bit. But I think it's going to be a bit before he starts to lead off this year, uh, assuming DJ is healthy. Because, you know, say he's hitting yeah. 270 in June and DJ goes down for like a week or two, then maybe he, maybe he leads off. But uh, until then, I think with a healthy DJ, it's going to take a bit for him to lead off. Agreed. Um, so did you want to go to the rest of the roster? Obviously Volpe getting the, getting the call, but there seems to be, uh, one by the time we're recording this on Monday night, uh, March 27th, there is still one outfield spot that is available. Um, I guess I could start off by just reading off the assumed roster. And I don't think this is assumed. I think most of them have been informed that, or all of them have been informed that they've made this roster. So, uh, also based on what they carried last year, I'm assuming they're probably going to carry the same. So uh, Trevino, Higgy at catcher, Rizzo at first base, DJ Glaber at second, uh, Donaldson at third, Volpe at shortstop, Judge Stanton Hicks in the outfield, Cabrera and IKF as utility guys. That right there is, I think, 12 players. So I'm assuming they're going to carry one additional outfielder. Um, they do have the two utilities, which is nice, but IKF is going to move around in the infield, and Cabrera is also in the infield, outfield, all that. So... That leaves Florial, Calhoun, Ortega, or a free agent. Obviously, we can't predict that right now, but they did mention that they could test the market and play that hand because you know Florial, Ortega, Calhoun aren't really the most exciting three, so there's a nice utility guy for at least the time until Bader comes back. That would be nice. Um, my take first to start is that I think, you know, first thought was that they're going to probably want to bring up Florial because if not, they're going to have to cut him. And I know they like Florial. Florial hasn't been able to hit the broadside of a barn. But uh, to me, I don't think Calhoun or Ortega are good enough to the point where you want, like you need to call them up over Florial. Uh, Murphy brought up a good point, though, if you want to mention that. I mean, you just said, you, you mentioned, I'll, just, I'll say it for you. You mentioned yeah, that, yeah, I'll jog your memory. You mentioned, you said, when I said that off air, you said that, you know, he, he Florio's just going to be cut when Bader comes back up. So oh, yeah. that's a good I mean, point the, as well. The second Bader comes up, he, he might just, yeah. I mean, he's, what are you going to do with him? You're not going to leave him up once Bader comes back uh, just because he's cuttable. I mean, if you want to give him a shot and see if he can hit until Bader comes back, fine. But then if he does, then what do you do? Because then somebody else has to go down, which looking at options, assuming no other injuries, it's probably going to be Cabrera. I mean, unless it's Volpe, yeah. but there's no way it's going to be Volpe. Um, so I don't know. I, I don't. And and then also the fact that Boone said they're also looking at the market across the league to fill that spot, like just doesn't scream to me confidence in Florial. Um, you know, yeah. I, I really 
won't lose sleep if he gets cut. I, I don't. No, he, neither will I. I think at the his ceiling is to be a somewhat of a utility bench guy somewhere on the Pittsburgh Pirates. I, I don't see him coming back to bite us by letting him go. Um, is he going to be a pirate? I mean, I'm not. If he makes the roster, I think I'm a, I'm writing him off once Bader comes back. So, yeah, that's true. Is everybody else in agreement on that? Yeah. All right, let's get yeah, into I mean, more entertaining conversation then. Uh, so, starting pitchers obviously right now is just Cole Schmidt, Brito, Nestor, Herman. When the other two folks come back, Brito and probably Herman, in my mind, are going to be the ones that go down when Sevy and Rodon come back. Uh, Schmidt, I think, did enough to be the fifth starter, and I would like him to stay there. I th- I would hate – this is something that I would not like to see is, like, we know Clark Schmidt hasn't got a, a fair shake in terms of just consistent time in the rotation. He's been in the bullpen. He's been in super high leverage situations where he really shouldn't have been in, and, like, bases loaded in the playoffs is, like, a first debut in the playoffs. All that stuff, I would like to see him get some consistent run in the five-hole and I think he had a damn good spring. He has the new cutter. I think I'm more, I'm more excited about him than I am in Herman. And his ceiling is higher. And if we're going with the general trend this season of, you know, let the kids play, I think Clark Schmidt is that on the defensive side. Is he a kid? Well, I mean, it, he's 28. But like, give him a, finally give him a shot. He's a kid, he's a kid <laughs> in terms of the, Yankee service no, time to me. You, no, I'm with you. I'm the biggest Clark Schmidt guy in the face of the earth. I, I think he's earned the five spot. And Domingo's not had a great spring. I just looked at it. He's got almost a nine ERA, which I know it's a small sample size. But if you want to talk about sample sizes, Anthony Volpe, everything like that, I, this was it's a spring where it's and, the same thing. Yeah. It's Peraza yeah, versus I mean, Volpe. And the, the battle was still very much, to me, it was 50-50 and... I think, or maybe 60, 40 Domingo going into it, but I think Clark just absolutely, I, I don't know his stats right in front of me, but I think he should, he, like I've said a million times, he has a much higher ceiling, lower floor, but the ceiling is just night and day different. And I, I would, I think he's done enough. If he comes out and he does it again in the season, if people start getting healthy, I mean, Brito's obviously the first one gone, but when Brito's gone, if, Sevy comes back. Let's say Rodon comes back first. Whenever Sevy comes back, if Clark and Domingo are both semi comparable in what they're doing, I think you got to move Domingo to the bullpen and cut somebody from there. We'll talk about that in a second. But I mean, there's plenty of guys in that bullpen that you know yeah. don't. They're not. They're not just untouchable. Like the back, the back three or four of that bullpen are just who fucking cares. So I will say this though: Domingo has shown at times him. He he is capable of being a very good pitcher. Like he has, like had, there are times when as soon as you count him out, he has an eight inning no hitter. Like <laughs> do you remember that old game against like the the Red Sox? Like he can totally do it. It's just I, I'm more excited. We did lose that game. Fun fact. Um, I'm just more excited about Clark Schmidt and what he brings to the table and his ceiling. That's that's all it is. I'm not really upset about Herman. I think Herman is a is a fine five starter probably would be a, like a four on other teams. I just, I want to see more of Clark Schmidt. I mean, this, this is, this is Clark Schmidt's job to lose. Right. I mean, like he's been given the second start of the season. He's supposed to go on Friday and then her supposed to go on Saturday. So there's, there's no reason why, I mean, 
it's Clark Schmidt's job to really just he needs to go out there and he's he's to prove himself and uh yeah I mean Herman I mean Herman can go out there Saturday he can have a decent game but at the end of the day if Clark Schmidt does the same has the same level, level of productivity he's gonna be that number five guy and I hope he is is but he yeah, a anybody free agent has this actual year? expectations from that I don't think he's a free agent no I think he's out of options no he he has agent. like he just no. He, he, he's, he's got, got like, like five more years. years. He, he, I don't yeah. even think he's hit arbitration yet. Yeah, he's pre-arbitration. You're right. Um, but yeah, no, I think if anybody benefits from this, it, you know, obviously it's him. But I actually think that he can deliver and like keep himself in the rotation even when everybody else comes back as that you five figure. Starter. I mean, Sevy's gone next year, and the we have Cole Rodon Nestor as our basically one, two, three, four. I don't know where Nestor's at in our I think he was his first arbitration year, maybe second this year. But those are your three. You've got two rotation spots up for grabs for the foreseeable future. I, I think one of those is Clark Schmidt's to lose. And to nobody's, steal yeah, nobody's coming down the pipeline to Yeah, we traded every pro. pitcher we fucking have that yeah. will be ready in the next five years. So Unless Debbie Garcia it's, figures out how to pitch this year in the minors, it's, nobody else. It's time to up. fucking. It's time to nut up for Clark Schmidt. This is his year to either take it or he's going to be cast to the wayside forever. Like it, it's I really, now I think or never. That, that that cutter that he developed, I think, is going to be the difference. I really do think he, that's going to give him like just something. Powers. The whatever was missing that whether it be not having the right opportunities getting thrown out of the bullpen in high leverage situations when he's never been a reliever. Like I think the stars are aligning where he actually can hit his ceiling this year. Um, what, what that ceiling is, I don't know, but I think that cutter is really going to be effective and uh, hopefully it's there early on so we can build some confidence and roll off that. I also think the cutter is important because not only like I think we were confident in Clark Schmidt. If it was up to us, he would be starting. But the cut, the Yankees, in like front office, Cashman, Boone have all talked about the cutter, and I think because it's bringing headlights or headlines on him in Yankee land, I think that is the most important thing. Like the Yankees decision makers are noticing the cutter too. I think that's nice to to throw in there. So, uh, want to move to the bullpen? So bullpen as it stands right now, Chandler, do you want to go through it? Cause you got your whiteboard going. Yep. Okay. So this is assuming Greg Weissert's going to make the team, which does anybody have a problem with assuming that? I, no, it's hammer. I don't remember the other guy's name to be honest, but Weissert's been nasty. Uh, okay. Uh, so, well, I'll read the names. Then we'll go from Clay Holmes, Jonathan, the wise guy, Wandy Peralta, Ron Marinaccio, Mike King, Greg Weissert, Cordero, and then fucking Albert Abreu. I intentionally went out of order to put him last. Um, Good. The number one to me, clear cut number one is Michael King. I mean, the season fell apart without him last year. Not actually. They still made the ALCS and all this, but uh, we've talked about it again at length. Missing Michael King was a just fucking stab in the heart. He was our guy to get through pretty much any shitty situation and we didn't have that. We didn't have it against the Astros. We didn't have it anywhere down the rest of the season. We were like fucking 20 and 38 without him or maybe worse than that. So I I think he's my number one. Interested to see if anybody. The top five are really fucking hard to rank. Like I was kind of messing around with this on my own. I was messing around with this on my own. And I was like, holy shit, I forgot that guy fucking played for the Yankees. Like this is really difficult to do. So, But to me, he's the number one. 
So here's what I think the one the biggest argument against that is is that he got hurt and yeah it fell mm-hmm. apart a little bit when he did and he was rock solid before then but you know this time last year he was barely on that list I mean he's where Weiser you know is now I guess would be the closest like you know he was a nobody and he really wasn't that great in wasn't 2021 a nobody he was and then he, wasn't he a nobody. hit it up for a couple months yes, and then was. got hurt. But he during that time, I mean, he didn't play in the second half of the season to make that better or worse. But at the time he got hurt, Clay Holmes was the best reliever in baseball. And obviously his second half didn't really support that. And now I'm not as confident in him as I was, you know, halfway through last year. But King didn't even pitch during all that time. You know, he was hurt. So I don't know if I can put him above Holmes, where at the time he got hurt, Holmes was better than he was. Holmes, for five reference, five. before we get into this, Holmes, after the All-Star break, 5 ERA, or excuse me, 484, a 441 FIP, a 3.98 expected FIP, walks per nine, four and a half. I mean, he was getting fucking shelled. Average, no, and I, average exit below. I mean, I just don't know how you can use that no. argument again. Hold on. I don't know how I you can, can use that argument. Can. Hold on. I don't know how you can use that argument against Michael King, but use it for Clay Holmes because Clay Holmes hasn't been good since June. Because Clay Holmes during that the during the same stretch that we saw King last year, Holmes was the best reliever in all of baseball. And we were talking about him with crazy records and that kind of thing and yeah, he fell apart in the back half. But you can't, you couldn't have assumed that Michael King would have kept it up all year. Is all I'm saying, because he didn't pit. I don't know how you can argue that Clay Holmes is more trusted because of a dominant first half than Michael. I, I get where you're coming from. I do. I would argue that Michael King was more of a dominant clutch player than Clay Holmes. Clay Holmes came in and he slammed the door. He was a great closer but he came into a lot of clean innings. Michael King was the escape artist while he was healthy. You bring Michael King with the bases loaded, eight times out of ten, he's getting out of there with completely unscathed. I'm not discrediting Michael King because honestly – I'm just saying I I don't think you can use the sample size argument against him and use it for Clay Holmes. Like I just – I don't think that that – It's the sample size. It's just that they – it's that during the time they were both pitching, Holmes was better. And Holmes, it seems like, gets hurt. You know, if it was the other way around and King pitched the rest of the year and Holmes got hurt, then we would be saying Holmes is the best reliever ever, and it's not even a question. Because he pitched a few months and had a one-something ERA before he got hurt, and the bullpen would have fallen apart if he got hurt the same way it did Michael King. And so I just I, – I really do think under my head, pick one, Mike King on the trust tree. Obviously, Clay Holmes is going to be a closer before Mike King is. But I just think that it's – I don't think it's – that easy to say Michael King because of that. Eighth inning, bases loaded, one out. You have a one run lead, one run lead, gun to your head. It's Michael, Michael King. King every time. That's effectively what that's Peralta. effectively what the question is for anybody in this trust tree. That's like where that's when you think just for reference for everybody else listening to this, when we say trust tree, it's not like who we think should be the closer. It's exactly that question. Eighth inning, gun to your head, man on second base. You know, we're trying to preserve a lead. It's not the closer. It's that. So I, I'm with you. I think Mike King currently as it stands. I do have my reservations, though, just because of the injury with him. But you could say the same with Clay Holmes, like you said, Chandler. Um, I think the guy that everybody's forgetting about, I think 
Personally, I think Mike King and Clay Holmes, you'd put at one, two, but I feel like Wandy deserves some love there. I knew you were going to stop me there. I have Ron Marinaccio at two. Actually. That's really? a little, a little That's crazy wild. Right? After I all Wandy did for us last yeah. year, you're going to go ahead and say I that. all of the stuff, you, you were the Wandy defender, so I... I, I love Wandy's. I have Wandy at three. I have Clay Holmes at four. But Ron Marinaccio last year had a two oh five ERA, two zero five. He was striking almost twelve per nine. Like Ron Marinaccio was fucking solid. Like I don't know. I feel like he's not a name brand, and he's only been he got sent up and down a bunch, which was a roster crunch. But we sat here and bitched about it for hours on this show. Rob Marinaccio, seriously, think back on it. Like, all these other guys outside of Michael King, I can think of a moment they blew up. Think think of Ron Marinaccio. Give me give me an example where he just shit the bed. Because I, I can't think of it. And I watched he did, probably he 140 games here. The same sort of innings that, you know. He most definitely the, has. That, that he was forced into it when Michael King got hurt. Down sure, the stretch, Ron Marinaccio was that late-inning guy. And he long. was very much a part – but he was very much a part of when Michael King went down and this team started to falter. And you remember July, August, September. Not so much September, but July and August when we were, I mean, fuck, in August we were like 5-22. and 22. Who was the guy that when you're needing big outs late in games, Michael King wasn't there. It was Ron Marinaccio. Ron Marinaccio stepped up. And coming into this year, I think he's only going to get better. I, I don't know. And maybe two is a little bullish, but I, I think he's absolutely deserved to be in the top three. I, I don't I don't think Clay Holmes deserves to be in the top three right now. And that's not a knock on Clay Holmes. I think Yes it is. I think No it's not. No it's not. It's not in the top five in the, the definition of a knock on a player. It's not it's not a knock on him. That's a testament to how good that's a testament to how good Mike King and Ron Marinaccio have been. Like I still think Clay Holmes can be a good closer. He had a terrible second half. There's no way around it. Like he was yeah, not a he was he was so it's not recent. It's not recent. I mean, it's just I'm just saying. It's like the first five recent. are such a toss up that uh, how yeah, do you I mean, yeah, how do you tell me Clay Holmes is so good? You can't like you can't look at me and tell me that Clay Holmes is this. I think those question marks amazing closer. Them. There's question marks to everybody in this bullpen. There's not, not a single person. There's other than Wandy. So you want to put Wandy at one, everybody the... else can tie for seven. But I think one is getting more love. There's a question mark for every single person in this bullpen because nobody in this bullpen outside of Wandy has been healthy and done it. Like Jonathan the did it in 2021. But if you want to look at this fucking bullpen that we have right now, nobody is a sure thing. That's why I think the first five are so fucking hard to rank. And you have to go on that like you can't can, there's can, no can, also the, the two that you're talking about are the two that haven't blown it but they're also the two that have probably thrown the definitely thrown the least amount of innings in the top five and, and Dude, i don't know how you can't i don't know where where the mike king disconnect is with like that i can't i can't get behind you on that ramen marinaccio i'm totally fine with moving from two i just think he deserves a little more love michael king i think is the clear cut number one i can't i can't budge on I'm totally fine with King at number one. And I'm I fine think with that. the discussion, like the, the points that you made about Marinaccio are, are definitely fair, but I don't know if I'm willing to put him above Wandy. Definitely not. And I don't think I'm putting him above Holmes. I, I don't think Holmes is a one ERA pitcher and I don't think he's a five ERA pitcher, but if you find yourself in the middle, I think he's a solid closer who's probably going to have a, 
sub three ERA next year. And I, I think he's right around three. A closer with a sub three ERA and 35, 40 saves is not in the top five. Like I have Cam I have him Holmes. In the, I, I have him in the top five. Isaac Marinaccio. That's what I have. That's my top. I five. think. I think the rest of us outside of Chandler, I, th- I think you even you can agree that Marinaccio is a bit high at two. I see what you're you going. You want to give some respect to him, which I I can I can totally is get. It? I think across the board here, the majority would probably vote Wandy at two. Is that fair to say to the that's other fine. folks? I had Holmes two Wandy, or no, I had Wandy two Holmes three. So yes, I think that's where I, I had, sit too. I had Wandy three, so I'm cool with that. All right, so let's say yeah. Damon. Damon, final vote. I had Wandy at two. Okay, so King Wandy, King Wandy. I think now you got. Let's, Ron let's, and let's do. Have to have Holmes in the top three. I'm gonna put Holmes at three, and then Marinaccio at four, and then Lasagna at five. Four, I'm okay with Marinaccio four. I have Lasagna but, at five just because he has been in and out of it. I think he's it. due for a big year, personally. I am too, but, but the, today's trust tree does not mean our projections. Yeah, no, I agree. That's why I'm five. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I, honestly, I think Michael King's the clear cut one, two through five. Ron, Wandy, Holmes, Lewisaga, pick a day. Like Wednesday, yeah. it might be Lewisaga. Thursday, it might be Holmes. Like the, I think two through five are so close, you can't really rank them. And the unfortunate thing about what you just said there is uh, pretty relevant on both ends. Pick a day, and they might be shit. So that's not a good thing when you, you want when you uh, you're ranking a trust tree or a closer or a high leverage guy, but. Unfortunately, that's the truth with some of the guys. Hopefully, those they stay a little. That's my main thing is if they can get a little bit more consistent. That's all I'm asking for. Just don't blow up because it's not they're even necessarily a knock. Like they're all good. Like none of them. I'm like I know. that's not a consistent. Like well, fuck. I'm worried about Luizaga on a given day. Well, maybe he's not a good example, but I'm not worried about him. But they're all so interchangeable with like some of them. Jonathan Luizaga, 2021 was fucking immaculate. Like he was vying for a closer. People were talking about him in the same breath that they were for Clay Holmes at the beginning of last year. That's what I'm saying is that they've all had these moments where they're like, holy shit, we have the next Mariano Rivera. And then the next month it's like, what the fuck happened? So, and that's not to say that it can't happen. They like all of these guys are, are very good. And all of these guys have high ceilings, but lasagna, I still in my mind. And that, like you just said, Murph, I think he has a shot to still be the closer of the Yankees. I think, you know, some people are talking about Marinaccio the same. I mean, not quite the pedigree yet. I mean, but what Marinaccio has done and what, I don't know. I, you know, they mentioned it today in the game see, too. That, uh, do you see, so say Holmes gets bumped out of the closer role. Maybe he sucks, maybe he gets hurt, whatever. Do you think, I guess, who has to do more to get into the closer role? Mike King or Luizaga? Like who, who say that, I don't know. Who do you think has a better Luizaga. Mike King's not going to be a closer because Mike King, I think last year they saw the value in having Mike King as the escape artist, like guy longer. I think Mike guy. King, not even necessarily longer innings, but he's shown an ability to leave people on base at and like just a ridiculous clip of we can put you in a shit situation and you can get yourself out of it. Luizaga and clay while they're both fantastic relievers, I think they're more suited for coming in with a clean inning. Mike King, Good and point. I think the Yankees. I think the Yankees are going to run with that. Is this is a guy that's battle tested? We've thrown him in there in the worst situation, bases loaded, nobody out against the Blue Jays, who are your biggest threat in the AL East right now. 
and he comes out to us fucking doesn't even break a sweat and gets out of it. Shit like that. That holds a lot of weight. And there's something to be said for that. Well, maybe he's not necessarily closer. I like having a guy like that that can come in and get you out of those situations. And then you have a closer who can come in and dominate the clean inning. Yeah, no, that, that makes sense. Because that was so my outside. thought. That King would be a skate artist. But if he's really your best reliever, then, I, you know, I don't know. I don't think he would struggle closing. And if you need the closer more than you need the escape artist and he's, you know, the clear cut option, I, I could see it. Um, but yeah, I, I agree. It's not where you yeah. thrive. And then I think at the bottom you just have a brave. Well, so actually, on the bottom, I think I'll give you my is above the other two. Like the other two, I've I got... don't know Cordero, and I don't think a brave is very good. But I really do think Weissert shouldn't be grouped in with those two. I think if he makes it, no. I really Agreed. do think he could. He could be the next Marinaccio, the next. Uh, I'd like to see more know, of that him, type yeah, of guy. But... Not that he would be better than yeah. Marinacci, but the next guy that we actually talk about and doesn't isn't just a choice. I have so. Weiser at six, Weiser at six, Cordero at seven, Damon, Romeo at eight, and Abreu at nine. So. <laughs> uh, more of an outfielder myself, but basically not, Albert Abreu is fucking terrible, and that needs to be talked about more. Is I cannot fucking believe that he made this roster. I don't yeah. care that he's out of options. Like, well, my question to you that kind of relates to that is. Where do you slot Canely in when he comes back? I know he had a little bit Cordero's of a setback, spot. but Cordero, Cordero spot that low. Yeah. Unless Cordero just comes out and is fucking amazing. I mean, I'm not saying Cordero's spot as far as when he comes into a game, but that's whose roster spot he'll probably take. Or Abreu, Abreu just is depending himself. who's doing better or worse. Like if Weiser and Cordero are lighting it up, I don't think they would be hesitant to cut Abreu, but. You know, if those three are all in the same ballpark, then it's going to be between Cordero and Weiser, and then not even necessarily no, not even yeah, I know, not even necessarily that though. Not like whose spot will he take? I'm saying how how what what do you think your expectation is for Tommy Canley when he comes back? Obviously, we haven't seen him firsthand in a bit, and he's coming off of an injury he now. Really he didn't barely pitch for the Dodgers. It seemed like yeah, I feel like he was hurt a lot. They'll ease him in, but I think if he comes in and he shows that he's healthy and effective, he'll roll right into the seventh, probably seventh inning roll. Yeah. yeah. Um, agreed. Why don't we move on to the lineup guesses? I, th- I think we're probably all on the same page here, but you know, they mentioned DJ would be the leadoff. Judge is going to be two. Rizzo, three. I guess just stop me where you disagree. So DJ, Judge, Rizzo, Stanton, Glaber, Cabrera. I know we have some talk there. I mean, you can kind of just interchange it anywhere you want, but Cabrera, I put him at the five sp- uh, six spot just because he's a switch hitter, and you can split. I know they like to split up the lefty-righty, so you would have you know righty, righty, lefty, righty, righty, switch, righty, righty, righty. So I think they, you could swap the two there, yeah, but then I'll have... I'm assuming it was yeah, Donaldson. Yeah, uh, Donaldson, Trevino, Volpe. They mentioned yeah, Volpe would be nine. Yeah. I think Donald's going to be up higher. Going to be up higher. Is that what you just said, Dan? Yeah, yeah, I just said the exact same thing. Yeah, I don't I, think I don't he will. I think he needs five, to earn it. But... Yeah, but I don't think he's going to be <laughs> earn it. No, he's... <laughs> like I think I think Cabrera would be seven, and he would be six, maybe five. Um, but I think most likely he would be six. The question, I think, the only question in that lineup is who's DHing, and I think it's probably either going to be Glaber or DJ, and the other playing second. I think they trust DJ's. I think they trust DJ's glove more at second. Agreed. 
I think Donaldson with what he's done this spring, and we can talk about that too. Cause I think the only really argument here in the lineup, I think we're all pretty much on the same page. The only argument is flip flop Glaber and Donaldson for the five, six hole. But yeah, which I really don't care. I think Donaldson with the way he's played this spring and the adjustments he's made at the plate, I'm sure everybody's fucking seen it on Twitter or something. He's made adjustments to his batting stance. He's cut down the leg kick. I, I think, I think there might be something to that. I'm the biggest Donaldson hater in the world. If you've listened to this show for more than a month, you know that I fucking hate that guy. But I I think that he may have figured something out there. I'm not saying he's going to come out when American League MVP or anything, but I think he can get back to a 240 to 250, hit 20-plus home runs and OPS in the mid-700s, maybe low 800s if he just catches lightning in a bottle. But I think he can be a productive hitter in a good glove. And if he's that, if he if he's a good, not great six hitter, fine. That's totally fine. That would be awesome. And I know uh, Boone just went on the Talking Yanks show, and he, he was talking about how he if he could predict anybody, because he did predict previously last season kind of, not really as a joke, but he like, tapped Nestor and was like, hey, because Nestor at the time was asking if he was going to be a like in the rotation, and he said you're going to be an all star this year, and he ended up being an all star. So um, he said the same about Donaldson this year, which is great. And honestly, you know when you talk about you're a Donaldson hater, before last season when the trade actually went through uh, with Geo Donaldson all that, I really the contract was all we were upset about with Donaldson. We 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 assumed that Donaldson would be at least somewhat like of a bat and a little bit of an upgrade over Gio's bat probably, and he ended up being ridiculously Not bad. Not that we hated him because of the shit with Cole. But. Yeah. So, I don't know. I think there's a ceiling there that he, he can he can be I mean, somewhat productive. Him, he, might as well, he might as well do something. So, I mean, I hope he does well, obviously. And, it, you know, yeah, if he shortens down and plays a good third, then if he hits 260 and plays a serviceable third, Gets on base a decent clip, hits 20 home runs, and fine. Yeah, I'm cool with that. I think there's a chance if he doesn't, though, I think he's a good DFA candidate by summer. Like, I don't, I don't think so. I think they might. I mean, you have too much infield depth. Yeah, but I mean... Hmm. What, do you, yeah, I what reason... If he comes out and he does what he did last year, what reason do you have to keep him? When you have got Peraza waiting in the wings, who's proven he can do it at the MLB level, which I know we haven't really talked about a whole lot yet, but maybe we this can segue into that. But you have DJ, who is the utility man gold glover. A large part of that was at third base. You have somebody there that can play third, and you have Glaber. You've got Peraza. You've got Volpe. I think that he is on thin ice especially after last year. So uh, if he comes out and just completely shits the bed for the first three months, he could be a DFA candidate. And you're, then you're swallowing 10 million, which you swallow 10 million to get the best guys in the lineup. I think you do that. Yeah. But what's the point though? Cause like, I mean, you're not going to bring Peraza up just to sit on the bench. No, like, you're going to bring Peraza yeah. up to play second. Right, but that's, that's pending on other a lot of what people I mean, doing poorly. By the time Bader comes back, then Stan's probably going to be DHing more often than not. So you're not going to really be able to do that. Regardless they're of Bader coming Stan back, in. they're saying Stan's going to play like 50 games in the outfield. Yeah, so. yeah but I think a lot of those are going to be while Bader's out. Because once Bader comes back, then... He's not going to miss that much time. I don't necessarily think so, because I think Judge, I think they're serious about giving Judge some, some run in left field. Um 
I, I don't know. I then you have Cabrera in that equation too. But. It's all hearsay. I, I, I'm I'm hoping, and we can just end it here on the Donaldson conversation. We could say that, you know, if he's productive as a six hole hitter, like you said before, if he's just at all like close to an 800 OPS, like that is something that I that is immense. We talk about X factor a lot. That's unbelievable. Like if if he's hitting well, this team is going very far. So hopefully he figured it out. Um, do you guys want to get into the predictions, like the betting odds for this season to kind of preview it? Sure. Yep. Uh, so the Yankees over under win total 96 and a half. We're taking the over or under there. Not an enthusiastic over. So 97. I think, 90, I think, 90, I think 96 is pretty spot on, but I'll, so, I'll take the over. Because so an unenthusiastic over. under. No, I'm taking the over, but I don't think I don't feel great about it. If I had to put money on it, I think I would take under. Like, I would say the over. A, like that's just a high line. Like ninety six. I think they're ninety six to hundred. I mean, if you ninety six to hundred win team, like a you know that's a not a lot of teams are hundred win teams. You know, maybe three or four out of the course of the year, only four wins off that. Like I think they'll break ninety, but. They're a you good know, team. Between, Adding Rodon and Severino. The, the difference between 96 and 100 is like a few lucky breaks. Like you have a ball that falls down in the ninth inning between the second baseman and the right fielder. Those Do you think the that the, the that scheduling changes are going to affect any of these lines? No. Okay. Question. <laughs> I don't know how. I actually really don't know how. I don't know. I, just, I mean, the same token. It's just. I don't know either. I was. I was asking for advice. I don't. I don't know. You mean because we're playing more every every team this year? Yeah, I think it plays both ways. Like you're, you're every team's more familiar divisions. with you. But I'm saying that may lead to more losses. I don't know. I'm just spitting. No, I, I think I think the opposite too. Like the other teams in the division are more familiar with you and have a better chance of beating you. Yeah, I think they, it's it's probably yeah, a net whatever neutral. Um, moving on, the way World Series odds are plus 750. Uh, AL East odds plus 115 were the favorites above the uh, Blue Jays. MVP odds. Let's look at that. I have a bone to pick with the World Series odds. What's that? Um, it's a giant middle finger to you, Vegas, for constantly overvaluing us. Some of us just like to... I would love to put a little wager on the Yankees, but... I mean, plus 750 is just not. Like, that's not worth it. They're not a good enough team. They haven't proven that they're good enough to warrant that. So, I, I mean, it's probably be around where the Cardinals are. The Cardinals are plus Well, we talked about it. We talked about it with BJ um, a couple of years ago from action. And it's just the Yankees are perennial. I know a lot of our fans are huge fans of BJ, but um, the Yankees' odds are just perennially inflated because of name brand. Uh, plus 750 is ridiculous. They they don't deserve that. I'm sorry. I, I love the Yankees. I hope to God they win the World Series. I would give pretty much anything in my life short of my dog for them to win a World Series. <laughs> what jail? And, that. I, that's fine. <laughs> I, like, <laughs> plus, plus 750 is... They, they don't deserve that. They don't deserve it. I'm sorry. Well, I mean, what are the Astros? Probably like plus 500? Something like that? The Astros are plus two. No, no, plus four hundred. I mean, that's dumb. that's also way too high. Like, I would that's not. It's so high. That's 
really. Especially, I, yeah, I think that's, the that's Astros insane. should be seven fifteen. We should be we and the Yankees and every other team in baseball should be like just seven fifty should be like the the that should be the max for yeah. baseball. Well, you, just, you just get people that are like, ooh, the Yankees seven to one, cool. I can put a hundred dollars and win seven fifty, but you're just wasting. Yeah, that's insane. That the world, that's insane. Yeah, wait I mean, till the, the Yankees come out and. Long. Yeah, wait till April when the Yankees go ten and twenty without all their starting pitchers. Then that's where you lay the juice. Yeah. Uh, MVP odds: We're looking at Otani is the favorite at plus two hundred. Thank you. That is absurd. Plus two hundred. I mean, it's fair though. Like that one is fair because it's fair, but it literally took Judge breaking the home run record, and it was still sort of a conversation. Yeah, I mean, we've talked about this so much, but Otani can have an okay year, which he's not going to. I mean, he's proven to everybody that he's a fucking psycho. So I I think he's going to win. So, Like, it, the uh, if he plays a full season, he's the odds yeah. should be like he, he's a He's a top like, two candidate every season if he plays a full season. Those plus 200s are going to be like some, some injury that keeps him out or maybe he can't pitch. And can only hit something like something like it's, that. It's, it's going to have to take one person having like a historically year breaking records, and then Otani, and that's going to be the storyline for MVP for the next five years. Judge is still plus four hundred. I mean, MVP right? I mean, every year that he's doing this, except for it's that. so hard to win back to back. The bias against him winning back to back is like Otani's bias for pitching. Otani could have a four ERA, and they would say, "Pitches though, like like a four five <laughs> ERA, like it doesn't matter." He's basically going to win MVP, like, I would say every other year for his entire career if he stays healthy. Every every year that he's doing this, unless somebody breaks the home run record, hits it for a triple crown, or something like that, he's going to I mean, fuck, Vladdy missed the triple crown by two average points, something like that, and he was still the unanimous MVP, so... Yeah, it's going to take a a season from Judge in order to... to dethrone Otani. Make it a question. Yeah. yeah. I think Otani's going to end up winning like seven MVPs. Something Probably. Like, ridiculous like that. Him and Barry Bonds. If he doesn't get hit by a bus, yeah, like as long as he's in the league. Uh, <laughs> just to round out the list, Otani, Judge, Trout at plus 200, 400, 600. Uh, Rod- Julio Rodriguez checking in at uh, at number four there, plus 800. That's pretty exciting. I'm really excited. Or the Jose Ramirez? Uh, Julio Rodriguez, then Jordan Alvarez, then Vlad Guerrero, then Jose Ramirez. At plus six, I would take a flat. I would take that bet. Jose Ramirez is due, dude. Yeah, it's crazy. Me as I won one. The problem is that, like, Otani again. That's Otani. Just, you know, you, you <laughs> just leave it. At if Otani's the yeah. bottom of that list, then sure. But like, yeah, the bottom of that list. Was, I would, like, if there was a field bet, it would be like plus a thousand. <laughs> yeah. Dude, I cannot fucking believe. This is something that haunts me to this day, is that, like, Jose Ramirez had a chance to be traded to the Yankees or any other team. He took, like, a $100 million discount to stay in fucking Cleveland. Yeah, I'll never understand. That, that. bothers me. That bothers me. Uh, looking look at great the, in pinstripes. The other... You want to look at the NL? NL Juan Soto is at plus 450. I'll tell you one bet I love is Anthony Volpe to lead the league in stolen bases at uh 23 to 1 
So I kind of laughed at you when you said that, and then I looked at the stolen base leaders from last year, and now I'm starting to think that he can do it. I mean, the big if Volpe thing, stays up, if Volpe stays up, I I I would be disappointed if he didn't steal at least thirty bags. I think I think he's more in the forty to fifty range if he's healthy. I mean, AL and plays all year. He was NL. John Birdie led it last year with. I th- I don't even think he broke 50. I think he had 41. And then somebody else had 40, and then C- Cedric Mullins had 34. I think Volpe gets 40 if he stays Might up in Mateo this had 40. Production. I think Mateo led the AL with 40. Actually. Juan Soto is the favorite on the NL side. Mookie Betts, Acuna, Machado, Pete Alonso. Boo. You haven't said no Trey fucking Turner way. Pete Alonso's that high. What'd you say? I hate Pete Alonso so much. I haven't said what. He's such a cock. You haven't said uh, Trey Turner yet. It's surprising. Yeah, he's pretty low. He's plus twelve hundred. Dude, did you know? That's uh, weird. Really, really weird. This is it wrong? <laughs> oh, did you see the MLB rankings that Bryce Harper's fifty eight? Yeah. Oh, the ESPN. Thing. That's insane. Yeah, I said, that's I absolutely that, like, fucking oh asinine. Fifty-eight. Bryce somebody, like, somebody crazy over him. Let me pull it back up. I don't think Jordan Alvarez cracked the top ten. Don't get me wrong. I fucking hate Jordan Alvarez. He literally haunts my dreams with what well, he yeah, does baseball. Baseball. <laughs> year in and year out. But he is fucking amazing. The rankings are terrible. Dude, they had Correa at twenty-four. Correa is fifty-eight. If any, like yeah. Pete Alonso, healthy like, season since like 2016. I mean, Pete Alonso is just simply not better than Bryce Harper. Alex Bregman is definitely not better than Bryce Harper. Tatis didn't play last year. I wouldn't put him above Bryce Harper. Trey I would put Bryce Harper not. in the top ten. Devers, I think, is like really good, but like he and Bryce Harper are right in that same conversation. Then Lindor was 17. Are they saying that because he's hurt? Well, no, because. Tatis is 25. Tatis. Tatis' is, stats are tainted. And Correa is hurt. 20, 25 with a needle. Yeah, it's true. Um, last thing, AL Cy Young. DeGrom is favored at plus 500. Cole plus 600. Cease plus 900. Rodon plus 900. Manoa plus 900. Pretty cool stuff. Well, Otani all the way down at plus twelve hundred. Where's Otani? Uh, below Bieber, below Christian Javier, and Manoa Rodon. Ooh, Christian Javier, cool. what's he at? Uh, plus twelve hundred. A bunch of guys are at plus twelve twelve hundred. After Manoa Where's... and Rodon, it goes Javier, Bieber, Otani, McClanahan, all at plus twelve hundred. Then it's Luis Castillo and Gosman at plus sixteen hundred. Then the list is Where's over. Cal Quantrill? I don't fucking know. <laughs> Bottom of the list. This I is like just Cal- the top dude, ten. I like Cal Quantrill, man. I think he's good. He's on my fantasy team. Dude, he's nice. He's pretty good. He's not going to win MVP. What do you think Vol- Young, but what do you think Volpe's line is this year? It's a good way to end the show. It, give it. Um, I, I'll go. I'll go first, so that way you have baseline stats of what I'm looking for. I think he's going to play 145 games. I think he's going to hit about 270, like 310 on base, slug somewhere in. 500s. I think he's got an OPS in like the 800s, probably steal 35 bags, hit like 20 home runs. I would sign up for that season in a heartbeat and play a damn good shortstop. 
I mean, I'll tell you what the Zips projections are. The Zips projections are shameful. The Zips projections only have probably the games right, I would hope. If it it ends up being this, that's a shame. But they have him at... um, I mean, which it could also be this. Like he, he is also twenty-two. He just turned twenty-two. Like it, it could happen. He could struggle. I hope not. But there's Zips projections with a. I wonder what the reliability is on these. I can't find it. But one thirty-one games. Uh, they have him striking out at twenty-four percent, which is pretty high. They have a batting average two thirty. They have a ninety-nine WRC plus. Um, not good. Not great, Bob. So, all right, here's one thing, though. So the most comparable player to him is definitely Jordan Walker, who I don't think even played in AAA, but, like, also got called up like that. They're giving him 131 games. Yeah, they're both, like, 6'7", 300 pounds, aren't they? 237 average, you know, same deal. A lot of strikeouts, you know. So that may, now looking at Jordan Walker side by side, like, I mean, they can't project him, like, 25 home runs, 35 stolen bags. Like, you can do better than 230. Like, I mean, if Jordan Walker's was 255, then I'd be pissed, but he's just the same boat. And they're, they're the same right now, in my opinion. I mean, Zips is also like historically very bearish on players. Like, yeah. I don't know. I think Volpe's going to have a pretty. I Hope really, so. really. Uh, I have my hopes set just way too high, I think. I, I think we're, it's probably going to be a little lower than what you just said, but I, I'd be I'd be certainly happy with it. So um, this has been a lot of fun. Uh, we'll do another episode before the season starts, probably. But uh, this is uh, we're here. We made it. Let's get I'm over ninety six and a half wins. How far? Yeah. Are we going to win a World Series this year? You think I this think is we can. Year? I think if, on, if, on, if no, 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 no. Are we? Yes or no? Is the honest answer? Fucking better. Do you think we're going to win a World Series this year? Do you think this team is good enough to win the World Series? On paper, yes. I think they are. I I agree. I think on paper, there's maybe one one or two pieces that maybe could be better. But like at the end of the day, you can say better any other team. I think we're, we are a top five team, and I think we have some pretty, pretty good odds. I mean, we were damn good last year. We were going to break the Yankees' win record, and we added Volpe. We added a full season of Cabrera. We added uh, Rodon. Rodon. Canley came back. Full season of Bader. Set Bader. full season of Sevy. Full season of Bader. Like, yeah, I think this team got a lot better. Healthy, healthy Donaldson's DJ. Not dead. Healthy DJ. Which is like a piece we keep forgetting about. <laughs> Whatever Peraza is. Hopefully Hicks isn't Health's on the team. I think, I think is, this whole season's going to depend on what they do about the lineup holes. Are you going to address them? Or are you going to let them sit? Like last year you had, there's going to be inevitable lineup holes. It's going to probably end up being left field. And it's probably going to end up being third base. Just talking last year. Are you going to address them this year in a way that works or are we going to let it pass what what are they going to do because i think they're good enough to win a lot of games i think they're good enough to make the playoffs obviously i think they're good enough to make the alcs are you going to have the balls to push the chips in at the deadline and make moves that actually count you're gonna have to yeah we said that last year you're gonna run into it did it last year just wasn't good ones freaking buzzsaw and they also got better now they have exactly so 
They have probably the best young rotation in baseball. They have Pena now in his second year. Like they're no worse than they were last year. And then if I'm, you don't see them, you're going to see somebody who beat them. So I'm very much in a I'll believe it when I see it mood, and I it, that's part of the reason why I was very like just nah on this until they brought up Volpe because Volpe is a huge spark. But yeah. I I really really think that I think they're a good team. Let me preface it with that i think they're very very good i think they're gonna again i think they're gonna make the playoffs i think they have the pieces to make a run i don't know if you're good enough to beat the astros yet i think a lot of that's going to depend on obviously how your young talent does but the moves that you make up and around the deadline that's going to be the difference maker last year that was the difference maker and we just fell flat on our fucking face and that's blaming on what you want Everybody we traded for ended up dead. So, well, a lot of things are going to have to happen. So we're going to see. It's long season. The Astros. Everybody's really good on paper. Last year, before the season started, the uh, uh, Blue Jays were supposed to be the best team in the league, and they ended up not being great. So, um, yeah, a lot of stuff we got to watch. But on paper, this team can absolutely make a run. So I'm going to say yes. Yes, we're going to win a World Series, number twenty-eight. Uh, Damon, do you have, have do you have an announcement for us? Yes, big announcement for the boys. We're working with TickPick this whole season. That means if you're going to the Yankees games, you better be buying your tickets on TickPick because I know we are. And you I have did. to be because, I, I mean, I did. I'm going to opening day. No one else is, but you can come with us to opening day. Uh, we are giving away two tickets with TickPick. Uh, go to our Twitter, retweet, follow TickPick and ourselves, 161 boys and at TickPick retweet like the post follow and you could be entered to come to opening day two tickets go ahead do that and we'll be picking the winner on wednesday we're gonna be doing giveaways with them the whole season um kind of a bunch of different promos are gonna be running with them so follow along it's gonna be fun and uh save some money on your fees when you're uh buying your tickets with tick pick what's our code let's do it 161. Not let's do let's it. Let's do it. It's 161. Code 161. What do they get? $10 off. 10 bucks off. And we'll there's no fees. Too. There's no fees already. So $10 on top of no fees. Uh, not like those Basically stupid free. ass, stupid ass SeatGeek and all that other bullshit. Yeah. About to slander other yeah. ticket companies. Yeah. I mean, TickTick does it all the time on their Sorry about media. it. I don't know why we can't. Sorry, not sorry. All right, let's go, Yanks. Biggest ringing endorsement. I think you already ended it, but biggest. All the guys at 161st Street, I just have two words for you. See ya. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, 
you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.